Praise God. Open your Bibles up if you have one or just follow on the screen to Romans chapter 7. I want to speak about a man I think most of us are familiar with. This might be the first time you've ever seen this text or heard a sermon on it. I'm going to ask Jackie to go to chapter, uh, go to 13, not 14, Jackie. If you could start in 13, if you could pull that up. Is Jackie there? If you don't mind. I'm going to start in verse 13. Sister Jackie is back. She was out with the Tulowitzes out in California. They're doing well with their four boys. It's like romper room in the house. That's what she told me. They're all bouncing off the walls out there. But bless God. We were FaceTime with them last night for a nice lengthy chat. And uh, it was a blast. It was nice to be, just for last night's sake, 3,000 miles away because I was kind of tired with four boys running around. But praise God. And uh, Pastor John is a little under the weather. Keep him in your prayers. And uh, let's get into our text tonight. Oh, wretched man. I want to ask you a question. In the eyes of God, how does he perceive us? What are we by nature? We're going to read a text tonight. Follow along the best you can. See if you can identify with what we're going to read. Amen? On one side of the page is religion. The first 25 verses is 24 verses is religion. The next 10 verses we're going to read is relationship with Jesus. All right? So ask yourself, where are you? What side of the page are you on? All right, so let's have a little fun today as we go into our text. Oh, wretched man, starting in verse 13. Let me give you a little disclaimer here. Paul is speaking about the law of Moses. He's speaking about the Old Testament. He's speaking about Judaism. He's speaking about being a Hebrew, trying to please God through the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows basically what the Ten Commandments are. Okay, just for identifying sake, that's what he's speaking about. He's speaking about a lot more, but for tonight, you can have the Ten Commandments in mind as we're going along, or just on the second part of the page is just loving Jesus. On one side is religion and Ten Commandments, a bunch of do's and don'ts. On the other side of the page is just Jesus. How's that sound? Okay, so let's follow it as we go along. He's speaking about the law of Moses. Did that which is good, the law, then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin. Producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh. Sold under sin. For I do not understand my actions. Anybody identify with that? Why do I yell at people I love so much? I could put that in there. How's that sound? All right. Why is my husband driving me crazy? Why is my wife driving me crazy? Why are the children driving me crazy? Okay. For we know that the Lord is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. 
Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the Lord that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That sound familiar? Is anybody lacking ability? Okay, there's good news. All right, there's good news. Let me read that again. I just love that verse of scripture. For I know, verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, in me that is in my flesh. For I desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Now if I do not, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in the members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, to make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ today, church? Amen. Okay. That's the best news you could ever hear. There is no better news out of the whole Bible. 1,187 chapters. This is the greatest promise ever given to mankind. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The next time you read that to yourself, or the next time you hear someone preach it, you should shout, Amen. And if you're not, you should ask yourself, why aren't I? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, that's the Holy Spirit, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's original sin in us. So you got original sin, and you got the Holy Spirit. They're going at it now. Verse 2 again, for the law of the spirit of life, that's the Holy Ghost, say Holy Spirit, Spirit. has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, that's original sin. So do you know why sometimes we don't do the things we want to do? And we find this inability? That's original sin. With Paul's mind, he said, I want to serve God. I agree. God's word is good, isn't it? But why can't I just do it? You know what the number one law is? To love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. You know what the second one is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Are you failing anywhere there? Is there a little inability? I'll speak about that to Christians of why that's taking place. But for people that have never heard a, a Christian sermon before, we have to identify two different things. There is original sin that gets us right to the table, but... It doesn't fulfill. There's no inability to do it. Then there's the Holy Spirit. It looks like you're doing nothing, but guess what? You start to change. And that's what's taking place in our text today. So for Christians who are already saved, understand something. There's a lot of saving still to do. 
Is that amen? amen? I heard one honest voice. Who was that honest voice? I saw that, Pat. I heard that voice. We need someone from Jersey to come here and set the record straight. <laughs> Praise God, man. I'm doing the best I can to break it down for some people that might have never heard a Christian sermon before. For God has done what the, and he goes on to say in verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by original sin in the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Remember, Jesus lived as a man, but he was without sin. So Paul says, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, that's ours, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, the Holy Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh... That's original sin. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. For for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who wants life and peace? Who really wants God's life and God's peace? This is the only way you can have it. Okay? For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's the rebellious mind. Now, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I'm not going to answer to even God. That's a life set on the flesh. So let me paraphrase again. I'm going to read it first. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, and that's what it is. I'll do what I'll do. When I want to do it, I'll answer to nobody. I will sin. I will have sex. I will do this. I will get drunk. I'll lie. I'll cheat. I'll steal. I'll, I'll fabricate. I'll, I'll, I'll live in jealousy and suspicion and gossip, and no one's going to tell me what to do. That is the flesh. All right. He goes on to say, Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What side of the page are you on today? Are you being led by the Spirit of Christ? You know what that means? That means throughout the whole day, you're always conscious of pleasing God. And if you're not, you're not in the spirit. You're in the flesh. So here's the point I want to make today. Religion or relationship. Religion or relationship. This text is familiar to most Christians that have been saved any length of time. Even those who never read it. It's part of human nature. I could preach Romans 7 to 7 to 23 and everybody could say amen. I could preach that to a Jew and he'd say yeah. I can go to a 12-step program and they would say yeah. I can go to, uh, to, to the Muslim, he wouldn't disagree. Anyone would agree to there's things in us that I want to do but I just can't do it. And there's things that I don't want to do but I keep finding myself doing it again and again and again. It is part of human nature, not Jewish human nature, not just Christian human nature. All human beings are under the law of sin and death. That's original sin. Every human being is under that. Every human being, that's why we live in such an inconsistent world. That's why relationships are unpredictable sometimes. 
Because why? Because you're relying on somebody who has the same nature in them. That's why Christian marriages and Christian relationships, we learn the principle of grace. Because you have to learn how to deal when someone disappoints you, and you have to learn how to deal when you disappoint someone else. It has to be by grace. Because if it's not, guess what you're going to do? You're going to use law. And you're going to demand change. You're going to demand that you live up to my expectations. But guess what? There's no power in that. It fails. The law of peace and life in the Holy Spirit is the only answer to original sin. Growing up Roman Catholic, they pinched a little water on me when I was an infant and said I was cleansed of what? That wasn't my experience, i got to be honest with you. My experience is one miserable one. As a matter of fact, all I did was sin. And I didn't care about it. Until it was once a month when it was Friday at 5 o'clock and you had to go to confession. And then, of course, you got all your notes together and you ran to the priest and you ran to the confessional. And you dumped on him and you ran out for Friday night to, you know, probably some... Uh, <laughs> to do it all over again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> But when you come to Christ, something really changes. Original sin is dealt with once and for all. As a matter of fact, original sin is dealt a death blow. Did you know that? I'm going to read something in chapter 8 again. And listen to the death blow to original sin. If you could pull up chapter 8 again. I'm going off my notes and I will extemporaneously preach through this text. I'm going to read again and wait till we, I'm going to start in verse 8, verse 1, and when we get to verse 3 and 4, listen, the death blow. There is therefore no, no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we all say, but why God? For the Lord of Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's original sin. Here's the death blow. For God has done for you and me, I'm going to paraphrase, you ready? For God has done for you and me what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Rules and regulations cannot change you from the inside out. Are you with me? The deepest part of us that's inconsistent, rules and regulations can't change you. Only the Holy Spirit can change you. For God has done what the law... Weakened by the flesh could not do. And how did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful, sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin, original sin. He condemned your sin, your sin, your sin, yours, yours, and everybody else's. He condemned it on the Calvary's tree. Once it was condemned on the crucifixion, he can now give us the holy Sin had to be dealt with first before the Holy Spirit came. That's a beautiful thing, right? And we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. But I just wanted to show you, that was the death blow. Only God can do that. That's, that's Good Friday. When Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, he just not just forgave us, but he dealt a death blow to the power of sin in a Christian's life. We do not have to live anymore the old way, confused of saying to myself, I want to do the right thing, but I can't do it no more. As a Christian, that's over. It's over. 
And God wants you and I to know it. Christians over the years have been divided, even today, of the battle that rages within us. Some churches you go to, they'll demand that every sin should be taken care of and you never sin again. You go to other churches and make believe like Christ did nothing for us and you're bound to live in sin until you go to heaven. Both views are wrong. Both views. There is a genuine progression and trajectory in the Christian's life over the power of sin. I hope that made you rejoice. There's a trajectory. There's a change. It happens gradually. Sometimes it happens real quick. There are times in your Christian life, God changes you fast. And there are other times it's like a miserable decade. <laughs> Slow and grinding it out. And like, when, when, when is the, the great change going to happen in my life? But God has his way in our life. There is no condemnation. Understand about no condemnation. You and I would never be able to change if there was condemnation. Do you know why we can come here week in and week out and ask the Lord for forgiveness? Because he doesn't condemn us. There's no shame. There's no guilt. It's gone. God holds no sin against us. How awesome is that? How incredible is that? He does not hold any sin against us. Is he concerned? Absolutely. Is he going to change us? Absolutely. But is he pulling his hair out of his head? Absolutely not. Nothing catches him by God. Off God, I should say. But over the years, Christians have been divided. Who is this man? Is it Paul before he was a Christian? Is it Paul as a young believer? Is it Paul as a mature believer? And this has got to be careful. Because what we'll do, we'll read into this text. The most dangerous thing to do when we're reading this text is to read our personal feelings and failures into it. I was at a Bible study one day. I was a young Christian. Uh, God did a great work in my heart. Like most young men, I was filled with all sorts of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And uh, God did a great work in me, and I I had this great liberty in my life. I was like, wow, I'm free. I feel free from this. And a young man at a Bible study said, you know, I'm struggling with A, B, C, and D, and he's struggling with all the lust of the flesh. And the leader of the group said, well, you know, even Paul struggled. And he used this text. He said, Paul said, what a wretched man I am. And you see, that was taken totally out of context. Paul did not mean that. Paul, as an aged apostle when he wrote this, was probably about 50, 55 years old when he wrote this. He's an apostle for 25 years. He was not struggling with drunkenness. He was not struggling with prostitution. He was not struggling with homosexuality. Do you know why I bring those up? There are people that say that. Because they read their own life into this text. Paul is saying, if you're going to live without the Holy Spirit, and you're going to try to please God through Judaism or Catholicism, or Islam, or any other philosophy, you're going to fail. Without the Holy Spirit, we fail. You cannot please God. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God ever. Before you were a Christian, not one thought you ever had pleased God. Think about that. 
Everything you and I ever did before we came to Christ, God has to condemn. Nothing's good. At all. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Just because you get a little holy once when you get a little religious during the year and you go to church a couple extra times, it doesn't please God. You know what pleases God? Crushing his son on our behalf. Isaiah says that. I'll read it later on. The only thing that pleases God is dealing with sin once and for all. And Christ did that for you and me. He nailed sin in the flesh. Was it Paul before Christ? No religious person could ever have this insight without being saved. It's an absolute impossibility. No religious human being could say, what a wretched, foul human being I am. Most religious people think they're very... How many people, how many people, you know, go to church, could go to mass, they could do this, do you hear them saying, I'm a wretched human being? Aren't they sort of like, I remember doing that. I thought I felt pretty good. I used to run with this guy who was about 15 years older than me. He was the, the Coke dealer. What can I tell you? There was a before Jesus in my life. Remember that. And he told me one night after being out all night, he was going to mass. We're out sniffing coke all night. I said, you're going to mass? He goes, I never miss mass. Well, I thought he was God himself. I was like, this guy is like, now I want to be just like him. I want to sell all the coke. I want to sniff it all. Then I want to go to mass. But that's what religion does, doesn't it? You're self-deceived. You really think you're doing something good and God's saying, get lost. I want nothing to do with you. Only the Christian can say in one breath, what a wretched man I am. And in the same breath say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. I told my wife, if I pass before her or anybody else, no, you're going to burn my body, put it in an urn. And on that urn is going to be Romans 7, 24 and 25. Here lies a wretched man, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. That's my epitaph. That's it. I told John Verdi and, and Pastor John uh, Davis, if I go before any of them, that's the text you preach on. I want everybody there and I want you to preach on Romans 7.25. Only the Christian can know he's wretched on the inside and happy in Jesus. Right. Only the Christian can do that. A Muslim would never say, I'm wretched. I'd never say that. A Jew can never say, I'm wretched. You know why? You're calling yourself out. They'd rather take the fifth and say, well, I don't know. I don't know anything. Only the Christian has the liberty to take a good look into your heart and say, God, there's so many areas of my life I've blown it. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. You're changing me one moment at a time. You should be rejoicing. Was it Paul as a young believer? Young believers are more, and we got some young believers in here, and I'll, we got good believers, and I'll tell you why, because we preach the truth, and it sets people free. A young believer will be more of, oh, what a wretched man I am. It's their first introduction 
When I was a believer, every time I came to church on Sunday, I thought I had to get saved again. John Verdi says that all the time because you know you're a Christian, you're happy, but between Sunday and Sunday, it's kind of challenging. You know, you feel safe when you're around your church family, you're in church, you, you feel like you can conquer the world. But when you miss church for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, you feel like you're a loser. This is Paul, as a mature believer, reflecting on his religious life before Christ. And he's amplifying the pain of trying to please God without the Holy Spirit. Where all he has was rules and regulations for Moses on how to please God. But he kept on finding this great inconsistency, this great inconsistency. And now he is a liberated man walking in the Holy Spirit for many years. He's a changed human being from the inside out. And now he's writing about how life under the law is from his perspective. That's who's writing this. How important is this? Your life depends on it. That's how important this message is. Because you have two ways to live this life. You can try to please God through religion. Or you can come to Jesus and find out that Jesus already pleased God for you. Does that make sense? That's what Christian, that's why there's no condemnation. I know I'm imperfect, but Jesus is perfect. And Jesus lived your life, and he lived your life, and he lived your life. He lived your life. So when God sees us now, he sees the perfection of his son. That's it. That's the only thing. So in the eyes of God, positionally, I'm forgiven. And now he puts his arms around us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He says, now that there's no condemnation, I'm going to show you how to live. And then life starts to change. And life starts to change. You see, you got to be forgiven first before life can change. A lot of people think they're going to be good and life will change. It doesn't work that way. Let me give an example. Two young men grew up in the same block. This is a little uh, analogy of me and a friend. And we both go through the same thing. We run the same, we run hard, we're, we're sinners. And about the same time, we both want to change our ways. And one man comes to a Christian church and they say, just trust in Jesus and here's a Bible. The other man, he goes to a religious community. And there he cuts his hair, he put on new clothes on him, he goes through this, all this whole ritual. And, and, and in the beginning, this guy looks like he's changing. And one friend says, how could you do it? He goes, I went to this religious community and they gave me these ten laws on how to be a better man. And I'm changing. And he goes, what about you? And the other man, well, I went to this Christian church, they said, trust in Jesus, that we sing songs and I read the Bible. How's it going? Well, nothing yet. But two years later, they met. The religious man said, I, I can't get out of my own way. They made all these promises and I'm still a mess. The guy who had to sing in the songs and has a Bible says, man, now I understand. Jesus died for me and I want to live for God. I, I don't want to curse. I don't want to drink. I don't want to womanize. I don't want to lie. I don't want to steal. I don't want to be malicious. I don't want to be slanderous. I don't want to be a gossip. I want to be a, I want to be a help in the community now. That's the difference. One promises a lot and gives you nothing. Right. 
The other one looks like it can give you nothing but gives you everything. That's the difference. And Paul is writing to Jewish Christians. And they're trying to find out, Paul, I understand that Christ is the Messiah, but what do we do with the law of Moses? And Paul is saying, the law of Moses is over. There's no more commandments. There are no more legislation. There are no more do's and don'ts. God has given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to get you to think about Jesus 24-7. That's what changes us. That's where the power is. I remember as a young believer, I was driving down to uh, Jersey golfing. And I did that quite often. Matter of fact, I'm still doing it quite often. But I remember driving, always listening to my worship music. And under one of the overpasses, someone must have hung down off the overpass and wrote, Jesus saves. And every time I went by that sign, I was always listening to worship music and I was always happy. Guess what? 30 years later, I'm still going by in that same sign and I'm still singing my Jesus songs. And guess what? I'm still happy. That's what God does for us. It's 24-7. I left church one day thinking about Jesus. And 30 years later, guess what? I'm still thinking about Jesus. It's important to know that... Let me just move forward over here. Let me, let me, let me tell you about the Apostle Paul's life. You ready? Let me give you Apostle Paul's personal experience. I want to read something. Paul, do you know that Paul was a religious superstar? Do you know he probably could have quoted, I'm just, for uh, for the sake of an hour, he probably quote the whole Old Testament. He was a religious, he studied, that's all they do. As a Pharisee, it means to separate oneself to the study of the Bible. So, he studied all 39 books of the Old Testament. He knew But he didn't understand. Listen to Exodus 34. Paul read this a thousand times. And the Lord passed before him. That's Moses. And proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Listen to Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Listen to Isaiah. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. Listen to David in Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. I'm sorry. Did I got that right up there? Okay. Be gracious to me according to your loving kindness, according to your great and abundant compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Listen to him in 16 and 17 of that same psalm. 
For you do not delight in sacrifice. That's religion. Otherwise, I'd give it to you. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Listen to Isaiah again. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Why do I say that? Paul read the whole testament his whole life. He read about that's the gospel in the Old Testament. But he never knew it. It wasn't until he became a Christian that he said, Oh my God! God is loving kindness and he's merciful and he's gracious. Not holding my transgressions against me. This is the first time he's ever felt mercy and forgiveness. This man who was a religious superstar took it all and threw it away just to follow Jesus. He left everything behind. All his Judaism, he left it behind just to follow Christ. You know, when he walked down the block, when he walked down the street, they praised him as a Pharisee. He gave it all up and became a man persecuted for Jesus. He'd rather have the persecution of Jesus than the praises of men. He gave it all up for Christ. When he realized what Christ has done for him, and he realized that the giving of the Holy Spirit starts a whole brand new life. It's so new that Jesus has to say this. It's like a man who's born again. That's all you can say. It's interesting that people constantly talk about the born again. Did you ever hear that one? Those born agains. Those born agains. Me and my wife were walking down to, in a restaurant one day, and we're saying hello to a couple of the elder statesmen of Bay Ridge. And they gave us a nice little hello, and when we walked by, they said, they're those born agains. And me and my wife said, praise God. Praise God, those born agains. There was a time I said those silly things too, you know. But unless you're born of the Holy Spirit, God has nothing at all to do with us. Unless you are saved and born of the Holy Spirit, God will have nothing to do. Paul knew his mind was filled with biblical biblical knowledge, but he did not know he needed to be forgiven. It's amazing. When you put this together, how we try to please God and there's some performance-based desire. And that's what religion is. Religion is trying to please God through some performance-based relationship. It doesn't work. God will never accept us. You know, when you're saved, your eyes are opened up to everything. When I became a Christian, I didn't realize how many Christians were around me. I didn't realize this Christian radio, this Christian TV, this Christian athletes, this Christian politicians, there's the Jews for Christ, there's firemen for Christ, there were cops for Christ. Everywhere I turned around, there was Christians everywhere. I thought I was the only one. And that's what happened to Paul. When Paul got saved, he realized, oh my goodness, Christ is everywhere, and I couldn't see him. Do you know how blinding pride is? You know what the worst pride is? Religious pride. 
people that really build themselves up thinking they're right with God because they're doing their religious duty. It took me a long time to realize you can go to church all your life and never go to heaven. That's a real eye-opening experience. You can go to church all your life and you can go through the devotions and never know Jesus. Many of us in this room are like that because we were blind. We had to find out that we're wretched. You see, you cannot get into no condemnation until you pass through the desert. What a wretched man I am. That's how we come to Christ. We come out, we hear a message one day, and we say, wow, I'm not the person, I'm not the man, I'm not the woman I used to think I was. I need Jesus like everybody else. I'm just a garden variety sinner on this earth. I got no special privileges with God. I need to be saved. I'm not special. I think I'm special. Doesn't God know what I think about myself? Doesn't God hear the way I think about myself? Doesn't God see how I praise myself constantly? We can't fool God. He sees right through the pretense. And he sees right into the heart. And he says, you're filled with inconsistent vileness. You say you want to do it, but you cannot do it. And when you try to do it, you still cannot do it. Because sin, original, is still in the human heart. What about you and me? What is our experience? Do we see a less and less of that old person? Are we starting to see more of a new person arising in our lives? This new person that says is led by the Holy Spirit and not by original sin. For you and me today, it is a process. There are people in the Christian life that don't like the word process. You know why? It doesn't sound spiritual. But it's a process. The Apostle Paul says it in one place. He says it's glory to glory. There's this changing in our life, the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, the motives, the intentions, the way we treat people. Usually that's one of the first things you'll start seeing is the way you treat people, the way you used to hold people to maybe not such a great barometer. And now all of a sudden you're caring for people, you're compassionate for people. That's a real telltale sign. Usually the first things that go is the, the more, uh, how can I say it? disgraceful part of our life the sins of the flesh then God starts dealing with the more refined sins like pride, arrogance selfishness, things that people don't see except God and you and my wife sees most of it too husbands and wives always do that we see the best and unfortunately the worst and everybody said amen But it is a process, and it comes through degrees. And let me encourage you some Christians. Understand something. There are times in our Christian life that the Lord Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that brings us to life and peace is very slow. Sometimes there's great strides made. And sometimes you feel like you're going backwards in your Christian life. And those are the times that God is going to teach you some of the deepest lessons of dependence on him. 
And there's a growing awareness of exactly how much we were forgiven. You know what Jesus says? Those who are forgiven much love much. You see, when you first come as a Christian, when I first came, I just knew I needed to be saved. But it was over the first four, five, six years I realized just how rotten of a man I really was. And really how rotten I was. I was a rotten man. And I still had rottenness in me. And I had to come to grow in this understanding of this self-awareness. And I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago about Peter. When you, the first time you come to sinful self-awareness. Paul, the Pharisee, never knew about sinful self-awareness. Do you know what Paul did before he became a Christian? He killed Christians. He didn't think twice about it. At all. He thought he was doing a service to God. He killed men and women in the name of God. And God still had mercy on him. It changed him. It transformed him. He, can't be, he couldn't wrap his mind around this kind of merciful God. Until he got into the Old Testament, there it was. Moses wrote about it. Isaiah wrote about it. David wrote about it. Ezekiel wrote about it. The prophets wrote about it. It was right there on my face and I couldn't see it. You go to some churches, they don't even use the word sin. They won't use the word depravity. They'll probably never preach on this text. They don't want to think any, they don't want to make anybody feel bad. The truth doesn't make people feel bad. The truth makes people aware of what is bad. Don't miss that. The gospel doesn't say you're bad. It says what's bad in you. Paul said, Paul never said, I'm Paul and I'm a bad guy. He said, sin in me is bad. There's something in me that's wrong. There's an X factor I can't get over. He says it's sin dwelling in my body. With his mind he wanted to serve God, but there was something else going on in him. As Christians we learn that. And we learn to grow more and more in love with Christ because I learned more and more of what he did for me. Are you with me? I want to ask you a question. You ever lay there in the middle of the night thinking about your life? Do you ever think about how Christ forgave you about all of it? Something was brought to my attention the other day. Guy called me up out of nowhere. We ran back in the 70s together. And he goes, I I was watching Joel Osteen. I thought of you. I don't know if that's good or bad. I said, he must have never heard me preach before. That's for sure. So, but I took it as a sign from God. But we had lunch together, and man, we were just, we had a great time. You know, I spoke to him about the cross, and, you know, we got a relationship building up after all these years. And, and I would, but he brought me back to a time of a shameful time in my life. And we were laughing about it, and it was all cool. I was not condemned, but when I went home, I was like, God, thank you. I'd rather suffer for the name of Christ than to ever go back to what I used to be. Give it to me. I don't care what this world does to me. I know what Christ done for me. And that's why staying power for Christians is never forgetting what Christ has done for you. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what we were without Jesus in our life. Don't forget about what you did when you were 10 and 12 and 18 and 25. Don't, don't ever forget. 
Don't ever forget. Because that will drive gratitude so deep in your heart that you will love Christ. And teaching that don't point to how bad human nature is, is not good. You got to have both. If you want to have a genuine praise of God, we cannot forget who we used to be. No condemnation. When I was talking to my friend the other day, I wasn't condemned. When I went home, I wasn't condemned. But I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude that what Christ has done for me. Because at that time in my life, I was not looking for God. I was serving Satan with all hands and feet. I was all in. And we both ran with this one crowd. Two are dead. One went away for 17 years. Another one away for 20, 20 years. And then it was me and him. And we're looking at each other saying, why are we here? Why are we here? And we had the course of God. Let's not forget. Oh, say it with me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. There's a new law in our life. It's the law of the spirit. It's the law of the spirit that's going to change us from the inside out. I never have to do do's and don'ts anymore. God has put a desire in us to please him. Enjoy it. Enjoy the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord God. And so much more could have been said, God. But you know something? We're just going to trust in you, Lord God, that you'll take this text and you'll bring a deep joy into our heart that we're not the wretched people we used to be, God, before Christ came into our life. We are new creations now, Father God. We're not those who are led by the flesh. We're led by the Holy Spirit, God, into a new life and a new relationship with you to please you in all things, God. Thank you for taking the emptiness out of our hearts, Lord. Thank you we're not living with the emptiness no more. Thank you for removing the fears and the apprehensions of all the uncertainties of the future. Thank you, O oh God, that you have given us a sure future laid up in heaven where the moth cannot eat it, the rust cannot rust it, and the thief cannot steal it, God. And we thank you for that is our inheritance, Father God. It's the hope of glory, Christ in us, Lord God. Thank you so much that we're now led by something greater than sin. We're now led by something greater than Satan. We're now led by something greater than religion. It is the person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. In his name we pray. Amen.